0: Welcome to a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. Last week's show was recorded in a single, very long session, therefore we divided it into parts. And now, here's episode number 36, with the second part of the topic, video games, music, and other stuff. Enjoy. So, we're back, and we're going to start with the good part of video games and mind control and, and so on alleged mind alleged mind control, alleged mind
1: control. Right, that's let, al- let's yes. now check the good part right so it's alleged positive mind control <laughs> in, in these games Either. yes
0: okay but if uh, you were not listening uh, last week the episode and you just started with this one it seems so recent to me but... yeah oh, i know <laughs> or else it was just an instant time flight time.
1: it's a moment in
0: time a moment. Yeah. Uh, present yourself
2: please dan
1: so, uh, yes, hello, my name's uh, Daniel Patrick Cohen. I describe myself as a musician. We and, have a, uh, <laughs> we have
2: another description. But.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've got many descriptions, Carl. I'm a musician and a teacher, a British but living in Cluj, a lovely city in the northwest of Transylvania. In Transylvania, uh, of, uh, Romania. Romania in Transylvania, yes. Um, and, yes, I'm offering some thoughts about video games. This one's going to have... We're going to start with a nice musical slant because that is my (laughs) speciality. And we said that
0: we we should start now having some music.
1: So we're going to start with some music. So we were talking last time about the conspiracy theory about um, uh, whether Concert A... Has been forced by the Rothschild family and all the evil corporations. That is the
2: frequency of the frequency. So be
1: 440 hertz, and that's why everyone is so horrible. That's the cause of all the uh-huh. problems in the world. This is a conspiracy theory we discussed last time.
2: Yeah. Can I just ask that Rockefeller yeah. theory uh-huh. where the hell did that come from?
1: Yes. That, that was uh, that from the uh... peach.
2: And why would he bother? Right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, it's 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 just fun, it's creative, it's very very imaginative. They
0: established some kind of convention about music and so on. Well,
1: that's true. It's true that they established that the, the, the A was going to be 440 hertz and it was, like, decided by a company... In the 20, in nineteen twenty six, decided yeah. like you know the the American Standard Industry Industry right, right, Standards right. Company something right. uh, decided it was forced and then it was normalised around. So it was a commercial decision. And it was a commercial decision and it was related to broadcasting and related to radio and stuff. But then it's a giant leap from that to, to attach to start attaching. It. I mean, especially considering that lots of people can't tell if you if you play a tune. If I played a tune in, um, if I play the match of the day theme tune in A major, match of the day if you played that to me cold in a different key, you yeah. I, I, as in starting at a different frequency as a tone of reference, mm. I, I literally wouldn't know the difference because I, I'm one of the large number of people in the world who don't have perfect pitch. The majority, the so, vast majority, of its just have, don't have perfect pitch. Mm. So it makes no difference to me. Mm. Um, certainly not on a conscious level. And I'd be very skeptical about whether it uh-huh. has any difference whatsoever. Um, just on the subject of frequencies, you have. Uh, We're one, wondering one of the things that uh, interests me about how we analyze music. Well, as you when you teach uh, kids uh, music, or as a as a child, you learn in the Western world about our major scale hmm. and the minor scale, and that's kind of how everything is then filtered through the you know, development from that. Uh, what interested me is to, to discovering the science behind. Uh, The music and everything you have something called the harmonic series is the natural. uh, This is a naturally existing Mm. uh, way of mathematical mathematical uh, uh, way of approaching tonality. So you have your concert A here, which is your four hundred and forty. If you divide the four hundred and forty by two to get two hundred and twenty, you get the A below here. Mm -hmm. If you divide it by two again, you get one hundred and ten, and you have the A down here,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and you have the. Uh, If you uh, do, if you do this as an additive thing. So if you start down here with 55 hertz and then you add it, 55, 55, 55, you get the harmonic series, which I think sounds really rather lovely. Have a listen to this. And that's the harmonic series, which is a Mm -hmm. really nice scientific phenomenon. And I think that there is, you can hear that in that series you have a nice major chord which is how I think people, uh, how we tended to come up with this m- major scale, which is a human creation, right. is related to the science in an interesting mm. way. Um, okay, so, music and video games.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: Uh, I think uh, music and video games are a very interesting subject. I think uh, the themes, some of the things, themes I want to talk about are very old themes in video games. One of the first things uh, that I think is uh, of interest is you have... Um, uh, a composer called uh, Stravinsky Igor Stravinsky uh said that at the beginning of the twentieth century that in a world where there are increasingly fewer limits, your mm-hmm. first creative decision if you 're going to create something, your first creative decision is to impose limits on yourself to create your own set of limits for your creativity and what 's interesting is in uh, after you know following the sixties and everything that happened in contemporary classical music in the sixties you 've got very few limits anymore on what you can what you can do. Um, but video games had this perfect uh, opportunity to have these huge limits because you're uh, on these first co- games consoles. You can you, uh, like polyphony is is mm-hmm. not possible. You can't have two sounds playing at once. Mm-hmm. And then uh, get uh, you know once you get onto the NES, you can maybe have three or four sounds playing at once. But as a result of this. That's very, uh, to in, impose that on a uh, composer, someone trying to write, write music, is very, uh, that's very restrictive. Mm. But it had some wonderful uh, effects. Uh, for example, I was going to play you this thing, for this, my first piece of music from Mario. Mario. Super Mario Bros. Oh. I'm wondering if you can recognize this sound okay. and what's going on. Let's have, a, have a listen to this. The Backing coins. It. The coins. The coins. The Rafa's got it straight away. Yeah. And it's a very, very recognisable sound. Mm. Um, certainly for anyone who's played those games, it just comes to you straight, straight away. That's actually a perfect fourth. And it's uh, interesting because that is uh, two sounds one after the other, not two sounds at the same time, but because they're played quickly, it sounds mm. like you're hearing... You, your sound. brain you're, kind your, of... Your brain processes it, but that is actually one after the other mm. because of the limit of the number of sounds that can be played mm. on the machine. So you can see how the creativity gets... In, is. You're, is focused because of this uh, the limitations of the uh, material mm-hmm. uh, um, so th- I think that some of these uh, incredible early video game themes are are as brilliant as they are because of these limits that are, are imposed right. um, the next one I was going to play you is uh, from Metroid Metroid Metroid, Metroid uh, NES game now for this I'm just going to switch onto my piano here that uh-huh. has a delay on it like this uh-
2: I suddenly feel as if we're in a bigger space. Oh, so. well, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: so they're in the, so uh, the Metroid theme I think is fantastic. I think the Metroid games are fantastic because of the way that they um, reward, they encourage exploration and they, the way they stimulate you to explore, <coughs> explore the games. I think this theme is perfect for them. Let me give, it, give you this theme. You have... Like that. <laughs> and what, in musical terms, you have, if you've played the same thing in A flat major, it doesn't have anywhere near the same effect. Yeah, so. The uh-huh, impact yeah. is not, it's not the same. Yeah. So the, the notes are actually all from A flat major. Right. But if you play with, with an A flat major chord, all of the mystery has gone. Mm. Yeah. The the magic of that theme comes because it's destabilized by not having your A flat on the bottom. Instead, you have C on the bottom. So there's a which removes uh-huh. the root of the chord. Mm-hmm. The bottom note of the chord is, very, is always a stabilizing influence. on because you've pulled that note out, you then have this wonderful it's kind spacey, of floating free. Yes, thing. completely float, floating thing. And this the the, the way that the, the, you've got a minor sixth here and then this minor seventh. It just, that, in uh, about in six notes, mm. it captures... Very atmospheric, very... Yeah, and it captures everything about the game, yeah. and the atmosphere of the game, and what makes the game so brilliant. Mystery,
2: just, and uh, yeah, that kind of stuff.
1: It's just it's captured uh, brilliantly, and that mm-hmm. theme survives through from the NES game, which is in 1990-ish. Yeah, in 90s. We can check that. Yeah. Uh, It survives through into the latest Metroid games. They all have these themes that were created with, you know, back in the in the Mm. eighties. Yes, that's the the Metroid one. Mm. Another one I I like is this one, which is Pac-Man.
0: Yay <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, I, I don't recall the music of Pac-Man now. No,
1: I don't. Oh it's oh, very, very nice. I think if I played it a bit faster. Okay, well that's the theme tune that's the uh-huh. theme tune for Pac-Man. So that has a C major chord and the D flat major chord right next to it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you go up to the Steve's up major one and then back down to it, and it's a uh, very, very um, claustrophobic. I think the music is very claustrophobic, mm-hmm. well, well, yeah. in the same way that yeah. the game is claustrophobic. Even when you get this chromatic scale at the end, you don't break out of this your narrow, the narrow spectrum of the mm-hmm. of where the the, the theme is. Uh, I think that that just mimics perfectly what's going on. In the game, I think it's very nice.
2: Right. Yeah, it's a good point, actually, because of the game's very constrained kind of yes. physically. Kind yes, of
1: I mean, it's also incredibly difficult. I mean, if you, if you go back and play some of these old games, they are incredibly tough. And I, I remember Pac-Man being very, very difficult.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. They were kind of less sophisticated, but more demanding, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Whereas now we've got a lot of sophistication, yes. masking possibly... Simpler, some of them tropes yes. or whatever, not so you complex. Still, uh, yeah,
1: I mean, you still have difficult games as, t- uh, as well, but it's interesting. I think because mm. of the, with the technological possibilities being less, they felt that to make to for you to have to spend more time playing the game, <laughs> they have to ramp up the difficulty uh-huh. for you to actually persevere with uh-huh.
2: it. Oh, a challenge, challenging. Uh huh. Interesting. And Zelda.
1: Yeah, so we've got a couple. Uh, yes, oh, a couple Zelda. more lo- lovely wow. bits of music for. Um, I-,
0: I love Zelda
1: games yes the, oh my the, god well, the, they one of my favourites these are these are the super ones I never had a SNES so I never had Link to the Past which is uh, one of the ones that you might think is one of the best yeah Um. I my first one was Link's Awakening on the Game Boy
0: oh huh. that yeah. one also was good yeah
1: and there's a lot there's a really lovely there are a couple of lovely sounds from these games again these are very very old themes that survive right up until the most recent Zelda games oh yeah. I know these sounds are going to be in the next Zelda games because they're incredibly uh, long lifespan um Uh, This one is, uh, if you get a compass on, you have these dungeons in the game. Mm -hmm. In the the dungeons, uh, once you acquire an item called a compass, the compass will tell you if there is something to be found in a room.
2: Right.
1: And in the Game Boy, it wasn't a visual cue. Mm -hmm. It was only an owl view, uh, an owl cue. Uh, And the cue was this. One more time. Uh That's it. And you can hear that that's a really nice like, question mark. It's yeah. just pushing you like, oh, and it just triggers that thing in your brain. Like, oh, there's something, something going around. on. There's <laughs> something going on, right? <laughs> um, so you can see that that's the, that particular theme is just going up. It's like a question, you can hear it like a question mm. mark. That's just mm-hmm. that four notes. And then you have the one, this is the, the theme that's really uh, survived, uh, is an eight-notes theme. And this is where you have, uh, we've solved a puzzle. So this is where you get that oh finally I've done it. You're not opening the treasure chest. Treasure no, chest yeah. treasure chest is something else. Yeah. Before you open the treasure chest, this is where you solve the puzzle. You've got this eight. Uh, yes, the tre- treasure chest is uh, the solving the puzzle one, which is the one where you really have that moment of relief goes like this.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that so takes your back Yeah.
1: It's I mean anyone who's played Zelda is going to just uh, that shivers down your spine this one. Uh, now, if you but then if you look at that theme musically, this is very very interesting. This theme you've got eight uh, eight notes. The seven, seven of them are different. If you uh, you know if you listen to I don't know a Beatles song or something, you're not going to have uh-huh. that that many different notes. This is a, a, a large number of different notes, almost towards atonality, especially this first bit with these very unstable intervals.
2: Mm.
1: So you can't your musical brain can't really make too much sense of that. Uh-huh. then you can make more sense of this because you finally have this grounding A flat but it's still a bit of a question mark. You still want to go back there, but you don't so it's like uh, as, but the, the way that in a real micro micro way, this reflects what's going on in the game and uh, it's just is fantastic.
2: Can I just a wild thought, but is this kind of using these like? Lights- Motifs, these sound motifs. Is it, is there a parallel to be drawn with silent movies at the beginning of the 20th century where there was no dialogue but they had to convey either emotion or something with some simple sounds with a small orchestra or whatever? Is it the same kind of kind of creating a dialogue using music?
1: No. <laughs> uh, okay. but, that told me. No, no, no. For, for this reason, so the silent, silent movies were. Uh, what you had, uh, the genesis of that is you have silent movies. Movies playing, it's very, it's very impressive. Yeah, uh, to everyone at the time, of course. Have this visual, visual stuff in front of you, these moving images in front of you. Uh, but after a while. The, the people realise that the sound of the projector is really interfering it's loud, yeah. it's loud mm-hmm. and it's interfering mm-hmm. with people's enjoyment of the thing so they put someone in there to bash a piano
2: or sometimes they had a little orchestra
1: uh, possibly hmm? I think or a small band Sometimes.
2: yeah small band
1: yeah. okay this I are so.
2: I mean, the you know what so, I know, this time, time
0: he didn't say I was there yeah.
2: I <laughs> even I wasn't yeah. there
1: but there are musical differences so this is like a guy played an, oh you could play the piano go on bash something out and let's see if we can uh, so you think cover, was the just sound. cover the sound so yeah. it was, there's no uh, there's no uh, real interaction there's no right. planning there's no composition yeah, in terms right. of how the sound is interacting with the images how people do soundtracks for silent films nowadays like me I took the advantage when I was doing my silent film sound Track of being able to plan the musical right. relationship of the film absolutely precisely
2: you're right thinking about it thinking back to watching silent movies on the TV when I was a kid yeah they, the music was almost continuous wasn't it yes but I mean bashing either, away e- on yes, the keyboard but either,
1: I mean that has that sort of preserved itself you just, you still get people because it's the authentic way is to have someone improvising essentially on a piano in conjunction with the Im- yeah. images but it's not composed it's not planned no. and it's not structured
2: and it's mm-hmm. continuous almost isn't Uh it?
1: yes Yes, quite, it is quite continuous and I think you quite might, you might <laughs> yes. go towards monotonous and I know that, yeah. that you have a silent film uh, you have directories like this uh, big tomb of uh, and you have a, a different page has a, a different mood mm. so if you want happy music you flick to happy and then you play something happy mm. and then if you flick to that which is like the opposite of any kind of artistic uh, thing course, you, yeah. might, you might mm-hmm.
2: very parroted okay. rote stuff
1: um
2: I'm sorry for trying to make that
1: comparison. No, 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 it's a wonderful... Because no, I think it's useful to know about silent films and how silent film music actually worked mm. at the time and then how it's different from silent mu- film music and how that works now and how music is... Because now in a, in a big Hollywood blockbuster, you have... If you've got a really big fight scene, you might have the music responding to every punch... Exactly. ...of the thing and it's, you know, very, very minutely...
2: Uh, Oddly, maybe a better example of what I'm thinking about is, you know Fritz Lang's Metropolis, mm-hmm. the movie, the black, big black and white movie? Mm. I once saw that performed at the uh, South Bank in mm. the Royal Festival Hall with a full orchestra.
1: Yeah, so that would have been, it would have, because with a full orchestra. It has to be synchronized. And that it has was to be planned. completely, it has to be composed, yes.
2: And it, it literally was telling, it was replacing dialogue with music. Yeah, mm.
1: which is a, lo- a, a lovely thing. I mean, uh, yeah.
2: That was 1985 mm-hmm.
1: or something. Yeah, but that still, I mean, all that stuff still happens at the, the festival hall.
2: Yeah. What other i know the program manager <laughs> do you <laughs> i do indeed cool what
0: other uh memorable video games have great soundtracks
1: uh so i have uh <laughs> i mean i've I, I haven't played a monumental number of video games in my time i tend to play them uh but you know stick with one i try and stick uh uh-huh. uh but i i do note the um the music for bioshock i think bioshock will come back to you later talking about politics and mm-hmm. uh, hitman 2 was a, a, another wonderful one for both have a very very professionally recorded full orchestral soundtracks uh that are very interesting and it, they, it's interesting because the music stands alone i think uh, some people say about the best film soundtracks is that they stand alone separate from the film you can listen to the music. Uh, separately and it just stands in its own right without having to have the pictures supported and I think that's true of some of these uh, yeah. games um, Yeah, I
0: you was know? remembering right now mm-hmm. about uh, for example uh, because recently with, with my wife we were playing uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag mm. which is uh, in the time of pirates and actually one of the missions in the in the game or side missions mm. is you see musical notes floating around and you have to chase them and catch it and that song gets played, the one you catch, yeah. while you are sailing in the boat. <laughs> right. is the, the what the pirates are singing. So you can have your own repertory of songs and they, you know, the, the, sing the, those. So have that been
2: customised to your gaming experience.
0: Yeah, if you don't want any songs, you just get the basic one at the beginning right. and that you stay all with it all
2: game on. And, you know, they start like, Lowlands, yeah. Lowlands away. Yeah. I Very have, funny. I have a question. Yeah. So... Um, composers for uh, big big video games, mm. you know, big commercial um, studios. What has been the pattern in terms of... Um, at the beginning, I presume, uh, they try to engage composers to write music either as consultants or as staff, but have there been examples of composers writing... Uh, music for a game, and then experiencing success from le- that leveraged lever- leveraged from writing that music for that video game. Do do people build careers in music from writing video game music? Do they become? respected and, and noted, shall we say?
1: I think it's starting to happen, but it's happened a lot later than you would have thought it would happen, I would say. Mm. Of course, all of these composers, so the Koji Kondos and <coughs> other people, the Japanese composers, of so the these early, early NES themes, mm. they now get played by symphony orchestra. Symphony orchestra, does <laughs> Zelda. symphony orchestra does Mario. Symphony orchestra does...
2: So it's, what, taking 20 years for it to so, cycle yes. out? So
1: there's, yes, I mean, I mean, it's not that thrilling, the idea of... Uh, listening to Zelda music played by an orchestra because don't forget the, the music is designed to be played with the game, mm-hmm. right, so it's not that much of it, that's not fantastic. And then in terms of building careers, I don't think it has happened so much what's well, uh, uh, more...
2: Uh, but you're, you've talked about the music standing on its own, so if it stands on its own then presumably are those... Uh, I mean, let's stop,
1: but it doesn't necessarily get recognised as such, I mean guess, uh, then bre- breaking into a, an arena in which but it gets played as and considered as serious music, which, of course, I do consider it as serious music, right. is a, that's another... It's not uh-huh. yet
2: happened. Would no, you consider is. this... No, well, it's
1: probably happened... The Bioshock, I mean, uh, the Bioshock soundtrack is very, very... Uh, uh, it stands alone, I think, as, as excellent right. contemporary classical music, so, I, I so, think. But so this, it's only, this is only isolated examples. So
2: do you think it will develop yeah. as a career path for would, composers, would you, composers? Com- would you compare this
0: career path or this development as... Still do right now, musicians that compose for jingles for TV commercials or radio
2: commercials. Yeah, where would you rate the respect level for? Uh-huh.
1: Well, the jingles composers get is absolutely zero is zero respect. That's that's nothing. That's a given. Uh-huh. But I say that having done that myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: But uh, do you th-
0: do you think it's comparable to uh, well, doing a the, video
1: game? Every, you have, I think you have. You, we talk about in uh, in broad brushstrokes, but uh, you, we uh, talk about these things in broad uh, brushstrokes. But we have got to be careful about it. There are some hmm. adverts. They have stunning music and which is very, very uh, and very, very artistically made. I'm thinking of the Guinness one with the horses directed by Jonathan Glazer. But rare, yes, rare, rare, certainly. But in the same way, there will be wonderfully artistic video game soundtracks. And and uh, uh, I was taught a very valuable lesson. I was taught at university is to it doesn't matter what the brief is if you're doing you know a Kleenex advert Mm. or. I don't know. Whatever
2: you have to give it everything.
1: You, the music is always worth doing well. There's yeah. no. You mm-hmm. might use, uh, there's because there is another school of thought with, uh, which is oh this is just an advert. I just uh, knock something. I've in seen it. Up. I've mm. seen it written on the back of an envelope. You know, right. on the way to the studio, just write something out and then get you know that's ten grand. All
2: right. uh, <laughs> Don't, don't you it. want
1: more of that work? Yes. <laughs> and if anyone's listening, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like an advert, I you would say it. no because as uh, because as David Lynch said, David Lynch who uh, who slams uh, product placement in his films. All right he has a big spiel about how product placement is the death of cinema, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then he did a Gucci advert. And someone yeah. in, someone in a Q&A said, uh, you know, Mr. Lynch... somebody called him on it. Yeah, someone, someone said, what do you, how do you reconcile your product placement with uh, doing this Gucci advert? And he says like this, he said, well, sometimes you have to make money. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> you have to pay the rent, right? <laughs> it, was, it was really nicely just... Uh, and yeah. it's true. I mean, you, you, we, that's what you do. You have some, I think... There's a large number of uh, of artists working today who they're even really famous people. they the most the stuff they really enjoy and they really are passionate about is the less is the lower profile stuff. Right, and then they do you do you choose some things for uh, you do choose some things because they're fun, some things because they're really genuinely artistic, some mm. things because they get you a bit of money. And I think people should be allowed to do that without so much criticism. Of I agree. Yeah, I mean I had colleagues at university who were saying oh god I'd, I'd die before I do a music for an advert kind mm. of thing who were just you know trapped in that it's that no kind of different it's... to a, mm-hmm. it's
2: no different to an actor, a well-known actor, appearing in some bum film, yeah, because they got a tax demand that they have to. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I make, literally, yeah. I
1: mean, literally, half of Hitchcock's films were made because he had contracts with the studio that he had to fulfil, yeah. and he didn't put his heart into them, and they're rubbish.
2: Yeah, he had a ten film contract or yeah. whatever it was, and, the, yeah. and
1: then the last five were rubbish, and the <laughs> first, but then the first five are masterpieces. So, do we forgive him? Yes, probably. Of course. We, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah uh, I, I suppose there will be somebody listening that is going to start uh, yeah. to rage. I think there.
1: Uh, what I'll say about Hitchcock. The yeah. Hitchcock films is that I think all of his films have they tend to have a moment of absolute genius, even the ones that are considered to that mm-hmm. are not considered to be so good. They always have a little mm-hmm. bit of a flash that knows lets mm-hmm. you know it's Hitchcock and lets mm-hmm. you know they're alive. So, what have we got back to the uh, subject? Independent games. So, yes, independent games. so uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, the game that got that got me into independent games uh, is a game called Braid, made by Jonathan Blow. Mm-hmm um and this has it has lovely lovely music and one of the the game mechanics in that game is that you can rewind time it it kind of presents itself as a platformer but it's not really a platformer because you can because you can rewind time you can never really die as a character you just come back you Uh come back uh because you just rewind the time Uh and as the time rewinds the music plays backwards (laughs) all right uh, you know, it's a really lovely effect of the music, uh-huh. the music playing backwards, and it's just uh, and it's, there's no it's phenomenal. A satanic
0: message in the music. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so, uh, it's I
2: don't, not a black Sabbath. I don't, yeah. no, I,
1: don't I don't think there is a satanic message in the music. Um, <laughs> but what, the, and then the music responds appropriately because the game is is a phenomenal game. It's a work of absolute genius. Mm. Um, and what, because what happens is the the it starts off with this reasonably simple premise that you can rewind time. That's fine. Then what starts happening is you can uh, rewind time for like the enemy. But you're still going oh. forwards in time, oh. and then the enemies are resistant to time movements. Who wouldn't be? So they carry on, and then and it, and each one of these iterations. So then, you know, each one of these iterations provides a wealth of these uh, like immaculately conceived and very very clever
2: uh, interactions puzzles. and interplays. And,
1: and the mu- the music is phenomenal, and the way Jonathan Blow talks about it, I think, is very uh, is very artistic. I mean, he uh, he considers the game to be a, a comment on the whole of the video game industry and it's really quite Blimey. it's quite uh, there's a quite artistic scope to the whole thing right. which uh, uh, he says himself he's he he found it uh disappointing or somewhat deflating to go online and he's his game's got tens out 10 out of 10 on all these gaming right. websites and loads of people say yeah it's brilliant and miss all of this love and thought that he's put into this game, mm. and all of these messages, and all of this this conceptual this uh, thought and yeah, uh, which is very it's an interesting comment on, on today's society. That I mean, the, on the feedback you get from yeah. people,
2: how engaged people are really.
1: Yes, I mean, because I, I myself have spent months on a thing, and then you play it to go, oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. Next. Let's go down to the pub. <laughs> and, and and how do you you know how you, you have to? I think you just have to separate. You have to because the fun thing is the creation anyway, so you mm. just have to separate all of that that 's all noise and then just get on, with, get on with your work and I think Jonathan Blow was absolutely on that when uh, I heard him speaking about uh braid. I think mm-hmm. independent games in general have uh, in the sa- exactly the same way as it happened with independent cinema right. um, uh, when you don 't have to respond to a studio mm. uh, previously before valve did uh, created steam in two thousand and eight mm-hmm. mm-hmm. these yeah. guys were saying that uh in the uh, that Walmart was having a direct influence on what games you could could make. <laughs> right. This is as late as 2008. I mean, you imagine yeah. about when independent cinema started. And you compare the the discrepancy. It's a huge long time before independent games started getting mm. just began to start getting off off the ground. And the advantage of working in a small team is you can uh, uh, you can really push the boat out with what you're doing. Of course, the creatively. limits your, of creativity. Yes, mm. with your ideas that might not get picked up or might be frowned upon or might be. So do
0: you think that independent games is easier for them to uh, put their politic messages in in the games? Clearly. Or it's just the same, either big studio games or independent games both actually take also some advantage in sending politic games, politic game uh, messages, sorry.
1: Yes, you can. the The, the ones I, I'm thinking about that I saw in this movie, uh, indie game, the movie, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Back, these were Fez, uh, Super Meat Boy, and oh, yeah. uh, Braid. It wasn't so much the politics of them that struck me; it's, the, it's so much as the personal nature of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, Edmund McMillan, talked about making a. When he made a game called Ether, when he looks back at that game, is like a perfect description of his slightly troubled childhood. Is in the game. That's light years away from making Halo or something. Some it's almost just, kind of it's,
2: autobiographical,
1: rather. Yes, than, uh, uh, it's an, in the same way that a book would be auto, yeah. autobiographical. Exactly in the same way as, or a piece of music might be very, very significant to you on a very, very personal level, which is is uh, completely new. If you can, there's nothing of that in Halo there's no personal level no. to any of these games oh. or even these games I love you know your Marios and stuff mm. um,
2: yeah they're very abstract in a way aren't they? well they're
1: yeah very... and they're done with universal messages I mean that's the, one of the things about like a Pokemon game is it's just all like all, all very very successful movies like Avatars they have very generic pleasing messages mm. that aren't going to upset anyone mm. and then you lose that whole arti- the whole artistry of it is it tens get lost
2: Becomes diluted. Or well,
1: diluted, right. is a good yeah. better word, yeah. yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're right that small studios uh, obviously have a, a, a bigger opportunity to send a very focused message. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, just like the movie industry, Hollywood, Hollywood movies are road tested to within an inch of their lives yeah. because they need box office. Right? Yeah
1: but and then th- so do games and studios. then the focus groups can be really really wrong which is also f- that's that's also yeah. funny and of it. yeah but
2: but obviously producing a modern game requires huge resources
1: but it's starting that start just starting to happen less i mean as someone was explaining to me recently the Xbox 1 mm. is much more friendly to independent game developers than Xbox 360 Xbox 360 i believe you had to buy a developer's console which right. itself is a couple of thousand Whoa. pounds yeah. So it's possible for people to make independent games, but it's not as powerful as having the game. The box comes with the, the tools for you to make your own game. Yeah. Uh, that's a new. That's a new. That's emerging, mm. uh, and it's going to it's going to result increasingly in these very interesting projects.
0: And you mm. have this uh, topic of pacing. What oh, exactly yes. you wanted to, or what do you mean with pacing for a video game? In a video game,
1: uh, so you have, uh, so you have. If you look at different art forms, you have different ways of that they are paced in a movie you you have a reasonable control over the way someone experiences it in in terms of time. Uh, sometimes you have more control than others there 's Hitchcock famously for psycho uh, uh, managed to persuade all of the cinemas not to let anyone in after twenty minutes of the film mm. had passed
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that you can really put quite you can really have an expectation if you 're making a film that um, Someone is going to watch begin at the beginning and watch it through to the end. If you make a CD, you have nothing—an uh, album. Mm-hmm. You do not have that power over people. You cannot. You have to accept that people are going to go and listen to one track, dip in and out, or dip or, in and out, yeah. or even worse, listen to just you know click through bits. The, of track, the first
2: or
0: the first ten it. seconds, and then
1: yes, yeah. But in this way, a CD uh, is closer to a novel. Because you can't stop people doing what my grandmother does and flicking to the last page to see if it has a happy ending before starting <laughs> to read the book. Uh, so you you don't you can't restrict. You have to come to terms with the fact that people are going to. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're writing a book, someone might just read a chapter and then yeah, get bored. They won't really necessarily read it in one go. They might read it all in one go and be very tired by the end of it. Mm. You can't uh, You can't control it. You can't control it. Mm. And uh, I think that's the same. Uh, In a video game, but you can Mm -hmm. still, uh, in the same way that you could, you would certainly argue you can pace a novel. Mm. You can think about how uh, a novel is experienced and how you discover things in a novel. Mm. You can think about this in uh, computer games, and you can manipulate the uh, the way that people explore an environment. And sometimes this is done quite in quite a funny way. I was very uh, amused in the playing Wind Waker recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I noticed so you're put there's towards the beginning of the game you're put on an island for the first time. And you're told, uh, right, well, we've got to get on with the storyline. Essentially, you've got to get on with the storyline, going to chase these pirates or something. Uh, so you've got no time to play on this island. It says, there is no time to play. Come back here as soon as your work is done. And then it gives you this wonderful island with loads of things to explore and stuff. And there is, you can tell it is like, it is actually a joke. It's a reverse psychology thing. Uh Saying this, saying that there is no time to play because actually there's loads that you've got. Yeah. You're not actually limited in the game with the amount of time you've and you're likely to spend quite a bit of time on this island because it's quite. Right. That's an interesting bit of reverse psychology. I also think that the games can affect. Uh, it affects your perception of time. How cluttered games are in the Nintendo games, like your Mario's and Zelda's, there's very little clutter. There's very little noise. They're very clean. They're very clean. It's quite. If you uh, and what makes a, a game genius, uh, like a Metroid game or Donkey Kong Country games, were doing this very very well is if you give someone if you tell someone through the construction of the level to explore an area, mm. and it's quite difficult, then you have to reward them appropriately at, mm-hmm. at the end of it. And if you are able to reward people appropriately at the end of their. Uh, something that you work hard on, mm-hmm. that's the games that have become really, really phenomenal and really, mm-hmm. really pleasurable to play.
2: So where they carefully match the reward to the challenge. That's, and...
1: that's exactly, yes, that's exactly the point. And Metroid oh. is very interesting from this respect because Metroid gives you obstacles that are uh, impossible uh, <laughs> and you stare at it and you go, how am I ever going to do that, ever?
2: Right.
1: And then later you, a, you receive an item and then you go and then your mind clicks back to that previous thing and then you the exploration is the reward is there the reward is instant when you get an item because you go oh yeah now i can mm-hmm. get across that thing and the power of that is uh, has been exploited in loads and loads of games uh coming forward in the years i reckon
2: yeah Again, this is uh, obviously psychology, hmm. behavioral psychology, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and uh, sure. yes. and it's something we should be. Ta- I mean, as a as a teacher, it's something we should be tapping into in in education in terms of uh, 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 getting kids to be aware of their limits and uh, hmm. and then giving them the tools to break through barriers and, challenge then and reward, right? yeah, challenge and reward. If you hmm. give someone, this, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay, that was work and reward, and
2: I think we finished Yeah. For this show? Are we... Um, yeah. Are you all talked? Or do you yeah. have anything
1: else to add? I think we're all talked out. I think the... Oh, I think I'm just a, picking up on a point about politics because we were talking about yeah. politics in the uh, previous segment. I think the, the the Bioshock game, which I credit... I'm uh-huh. praising the music of, um, is very interesting politically. Because that, that game takes the Ayn Rand uh, novels specifically, mm. Atlas, Atlas. Shrush, Atlas Shrugged. Atlas
0: Shrugged. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. And then does a a very complex uh has a very complex political message in response to that ayn rand stuff i mean essentially the bioshock universe is an ayn rand taken to its logical conclusion a dystopian a dystopian dystopian, yes it's a post ayn rand uh vision and it's very very challenging it's very interesting politically and we were talking in the last uh
2: Mm.
1: program about how last uh, week yes last week about how uh how games might be uh, uh, preventing people from uh, becoming pol- politically active. Right, active. And actually, Boris introduced me to the concept of Ayn Rand, which I then re- oh, yeah. re- read up oh, yeah. on. And it's all, that's all really interesting stuff. So I think it, it can go. Well, that the is way.
2: fascinating that you first came across Ayn Rand through, through this, a video, yes. through a video <laughs> yes. game. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how it works. That is amazing. Have you seen the movies? The, no, I haven't seen the movies. Atlas Shrugged? No? No, I
2: haven't there seen There are three. Them, actually. I there know, are but <laughs> are they any good? Yeah, I, I personally like them. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I I, yes,
1: I, uh, uh, I. know. My mum wrote about the Adler shrugged in her PhD, and she managed to do. She managed to do a whole essay on it without uh, being interested. She was just interested in the walls and the construction right, right. of the thing, and she made it completely apolitical. It was no. Uh, it was not about the politics of it. I can't think about it without thinking about the the politics yeah. of uh, individualism and all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah.
2: Yeah, it is a fascinating affair mm-hmm. actually I was thinking maybe Dan could play us out something there at the end just to the, finish the end yeah. of the program. could you play us out will fade you out Yes that's
1: nice that's something nice. something
0: you would like whatever
2: you tell please. us what it is before you start yeah yes but first we should say yeah because it
0: seems that the persons near the studio start to make noises again.
2: Yes, so, but not in a dentist. No yes
0: yeah. No. So we are gonna finish. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Rafa. And we're going to go listening to music from Dan, whatever you want to
1: play. What is it going to be? We're going to go for the Metroid theme again because I think it's just a brilliant
0: theme. Okay. Okay. So there we go. Talk to you next week down the rabbit hole. Sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved. Dark Mind Radio 2016.